0: The first rule of Fight Club Minute is we do talk about Fight Club. The second rule of Fight Club Minute is we do talk about Fight Club. The third rule of Fight Club Minute Someone yells stop, goes limp, taps out, the minute is over. Fourth rule, only one guess to a minute. Fifth rule, one minute at a time fellas. Sixth rule, no shirt, no shoes. Seventh rule, Minutes will go on as long as they have to. And the eighth and final rule, if this is your first time listening to Fight Club Minute, enjoy the show. I am Jack's ninth minute. I begin with Bob sharing his heart out to Cornelius. I end with Cornelius giving Bob a very wet motorboat. I'm your host, Bubba Wheat, and joining me after a nice cleansing cry is my co-host, Lance Stanford. How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing great, man. Just hearing you talk makes me go a big rubbery one, so it's it's great.
0: <laughs> and our guest for one last time this week is Austin Shin. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing good. It's
2: been a real pleasure.
0: Oh, I'm I'm glad to hear it. It's it's been great talking with you again. It's uh, I missed it.
2: I missed
0: it. Yeah, I'm I'm glad to have you on, and you know, I'm I, I think you know, I my question for you. This, you know, on this episode, I you know, we talked about this a lot in, in the last episode about how Fight Club has become this bastion for toxic male masculinity. And I really wanted to give give our guests an example to share, you know, a, an example of positive masculinity, uh, you know, in order to kind of counterbalance that. And and I know we're getting a lot of it kind of in in a roundabout way or in in almost in a satirical way with this remaining men together. But, you know, whether it's movies or a celebrity or, you know, something personal, you know, I I'd love to hear and hear you share an example of positive masculinity.
2: I have to go to what I consider the coolest character who ever set foot on screen. Um, My favorite movie is Casablanca. I I could probably do a minute by minute podcast on Casablanca. Uh, And to me, Rick Blaine is the coolest guy in cinema ever. Humphrey Bogart was so in control and so powerful in that movie. And what I love is that you never doubt that Rick is the most masculine man on the planet. He's, you know, he can throw a punch. He can shoot a man. He's tough. Humphrey Bogart was, of course, not a conventionally handsome man. Uh, Did not stop him from uh, scoring one of the most beautiful women in cinema history as his widow. But he was so masculine and a man's man and just the embodiment of it. And then as Rick Blaine, he's a man who he famously says, I don't stick my neck out for anyone. And that's literally the only thing his character does in the movie is helps people. That's everything that Rick does is every action is I'm going to come through for this person. I'm going to rig the odds in their favor. I'm going to help people. That's literally the only action he ever performs in the movie. And it's such an inspiring example for me because he's a guy who he knows that he could easily walk away and not be. You know, he could be the war profiteer. He could be that guy. But right from the beginning, he's helping me and he just doesn't realize it.
0: And I love that. To me, that's positive that's positive masculine. Yeah, that's, that's great. I, I love Casablanca. I, I think that is, uh, honestly, I think that's still the only black and white movie that I own. <laughs>
1: I I'm so glad you said it because Casablanca is probably the only movie that I've seen more than I've seen Fight Club. Um, yeah. I have, I mean, I know this is a, a an audio medium, but I can show y'all like I have the plane from Casablanca yeah. tattooed on my arm and stuff. I love it. I love it. It's I, it's such a it's, great movie.
2: It's it's one of those movies. It is a perfect film. It is yeah. truly a perfect film, and I never tire of it. And Again, I think it's because it has that driving engine of, look, we know what reality is. We know what bad men are. Here's this guy at the center who is just a good guy. Yeah. And it the whole movie isn't about him having, coming around to becoming a nice guy. It's about him realizing what he already is. And I just, I'm inspired by that.
1: Well, and I mean, the movie, you know, a lot of people credit, I mean, even AFI credits Citizen Kane as the number one movie of all time, which Citizen Kane is great, but mm-hmm. Casablanca is on more top 10 list across the board than Citizen Kane can ever even hope to be. Yeah. Uh,
0: it's, and it's, it's, because anyone can watch it. Yeah, I, I think um, a, a few years ago I, I saw there was like, it was supposed to be like kind of this ultimate ranking of films where they took all, all these various, you know, top movie lists of all time, like the AFI, and, you know, I'll, you know, I think 10 different well-known movie lists and ranked them, you know, kind of collected them all together based on the rankings. And I think, I think it was Vertigo that took the top spot, but Casablanca was like right there at number two. And I think Citizen Kane was like three or four.
1: Yeah. Vertigo is a great one too. So I'm not going to gripe about that. It's yeah. Casablanca is just. To me, you know, it's one of those, I'm glad, I mean, they tried to do the sequels and the TV series, and I'm glad none of it took. Um, The only, the only reinterpretation of it that actually is decent is Carrot Blanca from Looney Tunes. Yes.
0: (laughs) I'm glad you didn't. I'm, you know, for just, you know, just a split second, I thought you were going to say barbed wire.
1: (laughs) No, but I will say um, Out Cold is a, is a pretty solid Casablanca adaptation. Uh, the, it is a pretty good like, stealth one, yeah. Well, I was watching my friends watched it, my older mates, and they were like, Oh, this movie's so good. And I was like, Fine, I'll watch it. And I was sitting there, I was like, guys, this is Casablanca. And they're like, What are you <laughs> they 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 weren't film people? So I was like, That dude that her name is Elsa again or Ilsa. I was like, It's just like um, Cornelius, like it's not something people name their kids these days. And uh, you know, his name is Rick and they're in a bar and I was like, This is kind of like at first, I was really upset about it, but then, like, I kind of took a step back and I was like, okay, no, I, I got to realize what it is, and I'm okay with it.
2: Yeah, I will say the novel is an absolute atrocity, and I, was, you could tell that they were wanting to film it when they wrote it, and obviously, someone read it and went, "There's no way in hell we're doing this. This is a middle
1: finger to anyone that ever read the watched the movie." The novel was one of the worst things I ever read. Uh, mm-hmm. I tried to get the, I'm, I'm on the board of our local community theater and I tried the last two seasons to get us to do the play of Casa because that's what it started off as. Yeah. And it's like never been produced. I mean, I think it's been produced one, twice at this point, like once in the 90s and once in the early aughts. And, um, but now, I mean, but now it, it is, it's super problematic in a lot of spots, but I would still love to do it. I All will right. say it's interesting that you said that because, um,
2: I've read that in black communities, when they would uh, show the movie, it was extremely popular, it's, it's simply because Rick had a best friend who was black, and they didn't make any, You know, they didn't make any big deal about Sam. There was never any commentary on it, and people really liked that. Yeah. So there you go. Some interesting details. Yeah. Well, I've taken this cast way off. <laughs>
0: That's all right. Well, I'm here to bring it back around to Fight Club and you know, this minute. And, you know, we kick this minute off. You know, we're going right back into this, you know, this extremely long hug. You know, that this is a hug that lasts uh, you know, in in just in this minute, it's 37 seconds. So I I didn't check in the, you know, the previous minute. I think that's another five seconds. So like almost 45 seconds of a hug which you know that that doesn't that might not sound that long whenever you're you know um, just saying the numbers but this feels like a very long hug and it is and and i do love like in this shot at the very beginning you can see uh you know jack's resistance to the hug at first because, you know, you can see his arm and first he like puts his one finger up to, you know, like saying one minute and then he like clenches his hand into a fist and then he kind of finally gives in, but you know, he still has his hand in a fist where uh, Bob is, you know, like I mentioned in the last minute, he's got, you know, he's full on open palms, rubbing, rubbing his back up and down.
1: Uh, I was gonna say you see the narrator like literally tap out and mm-hmm. <laughs> I, you know like he's just he's submitting to Bob and really, i really I never thought about it um you know until when you watch a movie minute by minute you see in a whole different light but when they fight later I want to go back and watch this and see if it's the same like motion structure everything like that because um yeah this is him like you said he just does the hold on wait that fist mm-hmm. and then just tapped out and it's it's beautiful like i think it's just a really cool moment it is and it's it's a great way where
2: you get so much exposition in that hug where bob just tells you everything and the way that he tells it tells you about his character i mean i i'm a i'm I'm a writer by hobby myself and man i would kill to be able to set up a character that quickly everything like everything you're ever going to know about this character is solidified in these two minutes Everything, anything else is just an addition because this is who he is at his core. And God, the performance does so much work here. So much work.
0: Yeah, especially with his, you know, his overly high-pitched voice, which that that goes again into what we were talking about in in the last minute with this, you know, emasculation uh, that he's speaking in a very feminine, high-pitched voice rather than, you know, a, a typically deeper male voice because, you know, he's like, I was using steroids. I'm a juicer. Like just really that elevated high pitch. But at the same time, it sounds nat- like it doesn't sound like he's putting on a voice. It, it does sound like this is his voice.
1: It's not like a helium voice or anything. Mm.
0: It's because it was that. That was his voice. That was that. Was abs- I've
2: watched his behind the music many times. That was exactly how the band talked. Uh, and that's what made him such a good pick for this movie was because he already brought the energy that it was looking for.
0: And nice, so, wow. I, like I've I've only heard his singing voice. I think it's been ages since I've heard like his speaking voice. So I I I didn't really kind of put that oh, I <laughs> put that part together. Like I you know I you know I knew, kind of knew that. He maybe had a higher pitched voice than, than normal but uh, i feel like he at least kind of exaggerated it a little bit especially in this just with the you know the exasperated nature of it and the emotional nature of it definitely I mean, how could you not mm-hmm.
1: so this is so bob after thomas um you know we're two for two We've both talked about losing children you know like thomas talked about how his ex-wife went on to have children with somebody else bob talks about how his children won't return his calls. Um, you know, a lot of people...
0: Yeah, Bob lost everything. Like, he he lost his money, he lost his wife, and he lost his children.
1: Yeah, you know, but a lot of people look, this as like the dude bro-mance, but I think there's a lot of, like, father-son, you know, what, what that dynamic is about how these men lost their kids, um, whereas the narrator's dad abandon him you know he it was his choice to leave whereas these other guys you could argue i mean less so their choice to not have kids and um you just gotta i wonder like how that affects the narrator slash tyler's mentality of like well these guys you know uh, had to lose their kids and my dad didn't want his kids and i i don't know like that because when he talks about losing his kids that's kind of about the moment that you see him given you know it's right after that that he he gives in
0: yeah i am i do think that there there is definitely something to that with you know the they are again it it's like with that it's it's like the the role reversal where um you know the the people in fight club are in there because they've lost something important whether it's their fathers or their spouses or their kids and the fact that they're not able to be a father figure again because you know you could read it because they've they've been feminized and, and so they're they're not able to be this father figure and so they they have their kids taken away from them and with Thomas you know his ability to have a kid was taken away from him and so his wife moved on to someone that could give her a kid and then with Bob his and although you know, I, I think that might be a little bit of a stretch with Bob because his his kids are fully grown at this point. So and theoreli- theoretically, Bob could have been a father to them up until that point.
1: Yeah, I guess we don't really have a timeline of, you know, when all this started happening um, because yeah, that's why we need a, like, Fight Club Bob edition. So we know,
0: like, when he's
1: <laughs> left and stuff, but only if it's a Looney Tunes version again, though. That's, that's the only way
0: I'll, I'll watch it. Yeah, and I did look up, um, you know, because Bob mentions Diabenol and wisterol by name as the, the steroids that, that he uses. And though neither of those are accurate names for steroids, but they are very close to real uh, brand names for, for steroids. The, the ones that I found was instead of Diabenol, there's dianabol, and instead of wisterol, there's winstrol. And neither of those are the ones commonly used in race racehorses, but there are other um other steroids that's that have been used that are commonly used in uh with racehorses. So like what he's saying is true, but only partially true. And and I'm kind of curious if they changed it just just to change well. I guess because they are brand names they probably changed it just yeah. to, for legal reasons would yeah. be my guess so rather than the you know the the napalm recipe that they changed for safety reasons definitely
1: yeah because that's an easy lawsuit like oh well you're telling everybody that our steroids even though they're not for humans like give do this to you So yeah but that, that would make sense
2: i uh It's funny, I I found myself in a position as a writer once where I needed to come up with a drug that would be used in both humans and animals as a uh, sedative. And I actually had to look that up. Um, And the answer, by the way, was good old-fashioned ketamine. Hmm. Ketamine is effective for humans or veterinarians. Yep,
1: we've used used
0: that. There's your (laughs)
2: trivia for the day.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, sedate your animals.
1: I, I live on a farm we've we've had to use that before. So yeah, it it works. Oh yes, it's
0: highly effective. Use that as one of uh one of the Project Mayhem's billboards.
1: So you could uh have a little flashback humor. You could use it on your kids, like we were talked about in the first episode. There we go. Oh uh... CPS and... is gonna be knocking on my door after this airs. No.
0: I <laughs> <laughs> I also think it's interesting that you know the, the way that this movie is structured. This is really like our second introduction for Bob, and because we do get a, a first introduction like right as soon as he goes into the flashback, he immediately starts with him crying on on into Bob's chest, and then he backs up, and then we get this introduction again. And I think that this that it's interesting that that first introduction is pretty much focused solely on the fact that he has breasts and this one completely ignores his breasts and actually focuses on him and introduces him as a person and as a backstory. I feel like that's a good
2: synopsis of how the film treats its characters. It's like, okay, we're going to shock you. Then we're going to double back and we're going to really flesh all this out. Like a lot of characters have very shocking introductions and then we really, you know, God knows, Marla gets
0: that. <laughs> yeah, and and even you know, I'm I'm curious. I'm I'm interested to see, like, to focus on some of the back, you know, the the somewhat background characters like Ricky and the minister, because I'm I'm, I'm fairly certain that, you know, a lot of these like minor background characters do get like a, a miniature background arc, even though they're not focused on. They do have moments where you see them pop out throughout pop up throughout the movie, and you see they they have their own little arcs in the background, even though they don't typically have any speaking lines
1: well, and you you could argue like with Bob, I mean, he kind of has like almost four introductions as the court, you know, and it's kind of like the life cycle. You know, at first, he's being birthed, like from his mom, so that's where it's like focused on the feminine. And then it's like, oh, he's just kind of a a kid. He's crying. He has all this a stuff. A big moosey, yeah. Which he calls him like a cheesehead or something in the book. A lot. I mean, he calls him a moosey, but then calls him like a cheeseboard or cheesehead or something. Um, that's Green Bay. But he calls him like a cheeseboard or, cheese or, mm-hmm. um, like cheese or something. Um, and then the next time we see him, when he's in the Fight Club, you know, he's an adult and he has found his focus and his drive and his passion and his focus. And then he dies. So he kind of like goes through i mean he has a character arc as well through all that but as far as like just yeah i'm thinking of like when you're in elementary school and they have a life (laughs) stage of the butterfly like that's kind of what he's going through right there this is
2: reminding me a lot of a really underrated movie that i'm trying to get people to watch right now a predestination does this with its characters where it takes you through the cycle of a person's life and it does it in a really subtle way and i'm talking very obliquely about the movie because Thankfully, there are still some really massive spoilers about it, uh, if you were to see it. Uh, but it's a really phenomenal film, and it it does that, too, is what I'm saying.
0: Yeah, I've, I haven't watched it, but I've heard a lot of good things. And and I know a, a few friends that that have watched it and, and have rated it pretty highly.
2: Succession is really giving me a real easy chance to sell people on this movie, I will say that. <laughs> that has been a real blessing for me of going, okay, you, you, you're, you're really in... All right, here's what you need to see next. And again, <laughs> I have to talk in the bo- uh, most oblique of a spo- uh, right, way around it because it's really a it's a hell of a feat.
1: Is it with uh, Ethan Hawke?
2: Yeah, uh, Ethan Hawke and Sarah Snook comes out of this movie for me. For years, I was like, y'all, if she ever gets a part where she's gonna give given the chance to do something else that good again, just watch, she'll be something huge. And then Succession came along. Yes. And I got to get, and I got to have a nice long round of "I was right." <laughs> those are the best, right? Yeah, those are the best. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a tremendous movie. I cannot recommend it enough. Um, uh, if it's based on Robert Heinlein's "All You Zombies." If you're familiar with that story, and it's uh, like I said, it's a narrative feat.
0: Interesting. Yeah, I've, I'll definitely. You know, it's it's already on my list. i have It's just a matter of making time Huge. to and an excuse to watch it. That's um, crazy. But um, I do think, you know, going back to the minute that I I think the slang used here is really interesting. (laughs) I guess that's one way to put it, you know, whenever the the narration says strangers with this kind of honesty, make me go a big rubbery one. And I've never really given it much thought, but I always thought that he was like putting a, a positive spin on it by saying that. But if you think of it uh, and especially because the way that Edward Norton says it, he says it with like a, a kind of smirk in his in his voice. Mm-hmm. But he's, you know, if if you actually, you know, take it literally, it's like he's basically saying that it makes him unaroused, which that's, you know, giving this a, a negative spin on it.
1: Yeah, I think you're right about that. I think that's the, I got the book in front of me, I'm trying to find it, but I just read it today. But I think it's the same line in the book about... Um, yeah, uh,
0: I think a that big a big rubbery one is in the book as well.
1: Oh, uh, there's other stuff in here that we'll talk about later. Uh it's just, like I said, the way that they, they put it all is just uh interesting. But yeah, it's um they talk about huevos a lot in the book too, um mm-hmm. as a, a stand in for testicles, which yeah, uh
0: <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I can't saw. picture yeah, I can't picture Brad Pitt or edward norton saying huevos very often and make it uh, make it read believable
1: well they go through, in the book they go through this whole um the, that scene of varsity blues where he na- gives all the names for his, his genitalia you know and he ends with pedro that's what the book does with testicles there's like they list off like six seven different slang terms for him and then he's like huevos I'm like cool <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing I just read, like, <laughs> but again, though, it's uh, like you're talking about just that efficiency of building character and building story, um, in an unsettling way, which makes you kind of absorb it more. You know, you're not just like, oh, okay, yeah, he's meant to do it. Okay, cool. Like they, Chuck does a really good job of, um, making the uncomfortable comfortable, like it natural. Like you're just you're used to it, and so it's like, oh yeah, I totally know this guy because he's yeah. like that.
0: And, and I also love how Meatloaf has just the perfect amount of pause um, you know, after they they separate. And he's like, you know, it's your turn to cry. And then he pauses, looks down at his name tag and says, Cornelius.
2: It's 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 a really a strong acting moment. He should act more. He really, he was a really phenomenal character actor.
0: Mm. And I'm and I do like in a certain way i do kind of agree with you know jack's sentiment because the bob really did (laughs) like the fact that bob went into this very intimate level of honesty about his life and what he's going through to this person and he didn't even know his name until he just read it from his name tag
1: well going back to our first minute of this week um when we talked about how he's using these people who are eight, seven, eight, nines on pain versus his three to feel better about himself. Um, I think this, like we see that come full circle. Like he's like, oh yeah, you, your life does suck. I, I just can't sleep. And I think it's, um, again, it's sad. Like he, he's a jerk and the villain here, but it's a payoff, which, you know, is always, always good to see i mean norton does such great face acting in the scene
0: yeah
2: just crushes the oh i'm a real piece of sh- uh, you know you know i'm going <laughs> to i'm going to go with this anyway and it it it's just beautifully done
0: yeah yeah and then um you know he uh bob puts you know <laughs> kind of pushes in a way it like basically pushes uh you know pulls uh, jack in and like right into his chest and uh, right after he gave him permission to cry and then we we just get like the first couple sobs before the minute cuts off. And we also uh, get just the beginning of this um this like male chorus uh in the soundtrack uh, in the score, which, you know, we haven't talked about it, but the, these entire three minutes have had no music whatsoever. There's just been, uh, you know, some background noises. And in the last minutes, you could hear like a police siren going by in the distance. And uh, whenever, whenever the narrator uh, enters the church, you can hear like a, it, it sounds like a, a children's chorus, like a, a children's chorus practicing um and in the uh like in a different room in the church and you can just barely hear that in the background but aside from that there's no other music until you know right whenever he starts crying is whenever the score picks up again
1: and you would think like there would be some kind of ambient you know at a at a group therapy thing like this you think there'd be a, a noise machine or you know like <laughs> water or wind, you know just to kind of relax people because we see it uh I think later on in the, the chloe stuff like there's some ambient sound and things and uh i don't i don't i wasn't in a testicular support group in 1998 99 so i don't know if they did but i feel you know like nowadays uh to get super sad like we've had to put down a few dogs and when we go to the vet and stuff like they have the little wind machine or water machine or something like making some noise and it's there to calm you down and kind of relax you and like a placebo effect you know like distract you from the fact that you know you're putting your dog down and you would think like I I feel like they would have something like that in this scenario but maybe not I don't know uh, I'll
2: tell you my therapist my former therapist's office because I just recently had several that relationship uh, used Claire de loom a lot running through the office and it was just always very subconscious that it was there
0: yeah yeah and in my experience which you know i've i've been to a handful of uh, you know various group um group settings you know similar to this you know for you know for different topics of course uh, but uh, in my experience the the ones that i've been to don't typically have the have anything going going on in the background because and especially you know, in, in a sitting like this where, you know, they're set up in the, the church's gym, uh, they're, they're not going to have, like, the somebody would have to bring in, like, a, a you know, a boombox in, in order to have that. And I I think that doesn't tend to happen a lot. It's, it's just, you know, it's very bare bones. And I, I think that fits with what we see in, in, in the movie.
1: Yeah. Well, especially, about it, like you said, they would have to bring in some kind of PA system. I mean, it's not just like a little Bluetooth speaker that we're used yeah. to now that you can throw up and it would be a simple setup, so
2: yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you're really dead on about that. And again, it's because we are so used to this technology that's so nothing.
0: And, um, you know, I, I think really the only other thing that's, that I kind of want to mention is I, I do appreciate the fact that, you know, while while the focus is on Bob and Jack and in, in the foreground, you do see like all the other men have paired off and the majority of them are like just hugging each other and crying. And, and I, I kind of love, love that detail that, you know, everybody is doing the same thing. I, I think they, and really they, they all are, you know, going through the the same the same thing with this emotional vulnerability and being in touch with with their emotions and and I do kind of like um I'm kind of scrolling back and forth on, on my clip here the on the um left side the you can see like there's there's a couple of guys and the group leader is there like kind of uh, right behind them and and just like supporting them and and everybody else is just paired off into twos and i i just kind of love just it's almost like a dance um mm-hmm. th- just the way that all this movement is is going on in the background
1: yeah it definitely you know they, they could have gone where they just focused on the narrator and bob there and you know either really blurred out everything or just didn't have anything else in the background. Um, to show a stronger connection. But I think, yeah, by having everything there, it shows like it does show the strength of the group as a whole. And it does show that uh, they are there for each other and that they are all dealing with the same stuff. And uh, that even if it wasn't Bob who we paired up with, like, they're all crying and hugging. So all the strangers are sharing. Mm -hmm.
0: And that's that's all the notes that I have for this minute. Uh, do either of you have anything else for this minute? I should
2: minute? do. I should do. I noticed that the camera movement in the hug is that it almost gets to a full circle and doesn't quite. And I thought that was a really interesting choice that it just kind of stalls out where you're expecting it to go full circle. But it's a really nice subtle movement and it's it's a little bit jarring, but I think it, it helps sell the idea that he's at a distance here. It's almost the Avenger shot, but
0: it's not <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's almost a perfect 180 uh, yeah because you know because we start uh the camera starts with the focus on bob's face and then it, it goes around and it stops um you know on bob's back so we can see edward norton's face
2: it's it's a really good shot it's mm-hmm. it's really and this movie is so well shot yeah, whatever yeah. else i want to say about it, it is phenomenal <laughs> shot
0: yeah it, it is fantastic in the, in that respect uh, for sure um but i i think that's that wraps it up uh, you know but before we let you go and and it's been you know a pleasure having you for this week oh, it's been an utter blast um but is there anything else like it, you know you're only here for these 3 minutes but is there any other part of the movie that you wanted to uh Talk talk a little bit about. I'm just going to say that again. I wish I liked this movie before
2: <laughs> It's one where I get why other people respect it and admire it. I mean, I mentioned American Beauty earlier. Mm. Man, if that's one of your favorite movies, then I'm just a serious question your taste in film.
0: Yeah, I, but, I remember liking that movie whenever I first watched it, but I I think it would be difficult for me to go back to now.
2: I will say this. I will say this in defense of the movie. I think American Beauty was only applicable for like five seconds in 1999 it was only relatable for just a brief window man fight club hasn't lost even a second of its meaning and i think it means even more in this age i have a theory that if i'd come to it for the first time now without the baggage i I think i would like i think i'd like it more i i think that again the thing that really puts me at a distance is you were talking about the dad's thing you know i have a really close relationship with my father and I'm not saying that that has any bearing on it, but i it's one of those things that kind of puts me at a distance from the film. Of I don't fully relate to it. But I respect it. I admire it. Again, I think the acting is just tremendous start to finish. I don't think anyone in the film gives less than a great performance. I think most of them give better performances than the stuff that was nominated that year. And I think Pitt and Norton are just dynamite here. And uh, I think Pitt's only been better in uh, Inglourious Bastards, frankly. But I don't know. I I just I'm, I'm at a distance on this film. But it's one of those things where if this is your favorite movie, man, I completely get why. I completely see why and I can 100% sign off on that being your favorite. I get it. It's just not for me.
0: Yeah, well, you know, I I appreciate that I and, you know, I I don't fault you for it because, you know, that this isn't this isn't a pretty movie. This isn't a movie for everybody. And, you know, I, I completely respect your, your thoughts about not liking the movie, but I'm, I am glad that you can, you know, take a step back and see the, the objective good uh, oh. that um, that is present in the movie. And, you know, it, it reminds me there was a podcast that I listened to uh, where they were talking about V for Vendetta and they did not like the movie. But they so much did not like the movie that they made me feel bad for liking the movie because they were like, you know, if you like this movie, you know, they didn't exactly say this, but they basically said, you know, if you didn't, if you like this movie, you're an idiot. Was it, was it Alan Moore?
1: Was he, was he the one talking?
2: <laughs> uh, Moore would hate my thoughts on the Watchmen movie. That's all I'm going to say. Moore would despise my thoughts on that movie.
1: I, I, I will say um, I love it so much. <laughs> I'll say Austin, like when Bubba you said you were coming on and you didn't like the show, I was I was hesitant. Uh, but you know, I was a guest star on or guest star star, I say star. You're <laughs> a guest star here, not guest or guest star, um on a man of steel minute. And I hate man of steel. And it was a, it was it was fun, you know, to talk to him. But you know, I will say after after this week and talking to you. And hearing what you have to say about it, uh, I have to say this: this may be the start of a beautiful friendship. Cheers! Cheers! I like
2: the <laughs> full circle. Like I said again, it's it's definitely a case where I openly admit that it's me. It's not the it's not the film. It really is me. And I because I can't really cause again that that's the thing. I can't really fault it on any particular level. Um, I think the script gets messy at the end, but it's supposed to that's just one of those things it's personal taste it's not like with everything everywhere all at once where if you get me going on that movie i'm gonna get kind of angry and i'm gonna get kind of scary frankly i really did not like that movie (laughs) but at least with this one i can respect i can admire it i can tell you what was great about it It just wasn't for me
0: right yeah um like i said i i respect your position and you know thank you so much for joining us for this week it was an utter pleasure and you know, for one last time, why don't you go ahead and you know give out your plugs, let everybody know where they can find you online.
2: I share way too much at Untitled User on Twitter. I um, share way too much at A Flickering Life at word, dot .wordpress.com. And I probably share just the right amount on, at the omniplugs.org
0: Right. And we are Fight Club Minutes, and you can find us on all the available podcatchers out there. And, you know, we are doing a, a contest where if uh, we're looking for reviews, specifically for uh, Apple podcast reviews, because that's the biggest one. But if if you give us a review on any podcast, um, you know, any podcatcher out there, send a screenshot of it to at gmail.com. Once we hit 25 reviews, we will... You know, give a random person who enters, as long as they're in the uh, the U.S., a copy of Fight Club 2. And if we hit 50 reviews, then somebody else will win a copy of Fight Club 3. And, uh, you know, you can find me and, uh, you know, my sharing at, at Bubba Wheat on Twitter and Instagram are my two main haunts at the moment. And this has been Fight Club Minute. And this podcast is ending one minute at a time.